Hey everyone. Hi. Hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here with Kristen Carney, host of the Mentally Chill podcast and also co-host of Ask Women and someone who has very different opinions about Christmas trees than I do. <laughs> I was a, a guest judge at Storyworthy, which is a storytelling podcast that was done live at the Hollywood Improv. And Kristen, you were one of the um, the con- contestants? Yeah, I guess. One of the storytellers. One of the desperate people seeking, <laughs> seeking approval. You were very good, though. Thank you. You were very good. Thank you. And you talked about Christmas trees. And as you were describing, what can you have very clear ideas about trees? As you were describing your favorite, I thought, oh, my God, I can't think of a, someone who I'm less compatible with <laughs> tree-wise. Defend yourself. Well, number one, you're Jewish, right? I am, but okay, I'm so I win. I win everything. <laughs> <laughs> you're okay. You're a Christmassy okay, Jewish. Yeah, no, that's a fair point, though. Maybe, maybe even though I feel like pine is in my blood, maybe <laughs> pine and trivia. Maybe it's not. Well, I think that uh, I think I'm in the minority of the tree preference explain and by the way you guys this podcast is only going to be half about christmas trees um <laughs> and then the other half is going to be about hair and makeup because i need to talk to you about okay that. yeah totally. okay um and then also mental illness and stuff yes. but anyway uh that goes right along with hair and makeup <laughs> it really does <laughs> explain what you look for in a tree so i prefer a tree not a charlie brown tree i don't want it to look Sad. like it, yeah i i like it though to have some spacing in the branches Mm -hmm. and for the branches to have very specific directions but not in unison i like the branches going different ways because to me it looks more like um uh, like a it would be in a west elm catalog i'm i can be incredibly shallow so it's got a little bit more like eccentricity not Mm. that west elm is but like it's got a little bit more of a vibe whereas i feel a full tree (laughs) has more of a grandmother vibe Oh, interesting. I think maybe I grew up seeing the full tree, associating them with the older crowd. And once I developed my own style and had my own apartment, I was like, I'm going for this tree. The one that's a quirky tree. You want like a mid-century modern tree with a sense of design. Yes. Once once the tree is dead, I will then use it to make a coffee table that's mid-century looking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So take a gander. Actually, from your seat, I don't know if you can oh, I see didn't it. See it. Hold Over on. at our tree, you can get up and go look at it. Does it make you want to vomit? Oh, no, that's that's, and I'm not saying that because I'm on your podcast. That's a good medium. I'm talking the. That's not a big bush, right? That's not shrubbery. That's like a nicely shaped tree that is full, but not fat. Jeff, you have opinions. Let's I do. Hear some on the tree. Oh no on on trees in general and Kristen's. <laughs> Tree preference. I think it's an interesting take because it's not <laughs> as though you like something very out there and wild. You just prefer something that is not the traditional full triangle, just exactly filled in completely. You want something with a little texture to it. Yes, like I feel like it's got a little more art behind a little more art behind it. Mm-hmm. But there's a <laughs> which I could give a shit about art too. That's the thing. Like I don't, I don't go to museums. I don't care. But I want my tree to look like I go to museums. There's a specific. 
I love it. <laughs> um, there's a specific kind of tree, though, and I don't know if it's a noble or Douglas, but it's one of those that has the spacing in between. I think it's a noble fir or and something what, like that. And that's I, what you like? Yes. I yeah. could be completely wrong, but it's funny because I haven't for the last two years i haven't had my own apartment so my roommate picks out the tree so i haven't gotten to mm. get this out of my system but usually i'll text my mom and i'll say what kind of tree is it that i like again because i for you know a whole year goes by 12 months i forget the name of it so right. then she'll tell me and i think it might be the noble one noble yeah. fir or something i and i grew up with a strong preference for the other one like i like it to be bushy and uh green and full looking yeah, but it is harder ornament wise my dad completely disagrees with me because he he's very nostalgic and was a child of the 50s and 60s where it was you got a really big fat tree and you put the big fat lights on it Mm -hmm. which i do think is can be adorable but uh i don't think most people when they get that big fat tree are going to make it look as great as it did in the christmas story which that's true you know those big lights and the tinsel and very vintage looking so if i did go for the fat tree i would go vintage style all um, right. Yeah. Do you have your own apartment now? I don't. So this year, again, my roommate picked out the tree. And it's funny because yesterday I taped an episode of Mentally Chill and was talking about this exact thing. Mm-hmm. So great timing. Um, what and is- also I look insane <laughs> for how obsessed I am with trees. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I look insane for making you talk about trees for this long. <laughs> um, I do want to get into like the the actual stuff. But first, we have to also talk about the fact that I've known you for a while. Uh, I was on, a guest on Ask Women. A long time is, ago, yeah. Yeah. And then afterwards, we were talking about the fact that you cut your own hair. Mm-hmm. Do you still do this? Occasionally. I did. Well, because you showed me how to, you're like, you just do it like this. And I'm like, how hard <laughs> could that be? Did you try it? Yes. And it didn't go well oh, for me. No. But this is, I mentioned this on the podcast before. Um, before I did it, I had this whole flight of, like, my imagination ran away <laughs> And I was like, what if I'm so good at cutting hair that then all my friends ask me to cut their hair and then I don't have time for everyone? It's kind of like the airport ride of styling. Mm-hmm. Like you don't yes. want to bring everyone to the airport. Yes. Yeah. But then it turned out that I wasn't good at it. So it wasn't a problem. <laughs> you lucked out. Yeah. You explained that you just like hold the ends up and this snip, 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 snip. And I did that. And I was like, oh, there really is an art to this that I lack. Well, I'm speaking like as a complete novice. The only reason I semi know or figured out how to cut my own hair was because when I first moved to Los Angeles, I was a receptionist at a hair salon and I had nothing to do but stare uncomfortably at the people cutting hair and what they were doing. And so I just happened to see over and over, they were all doing the same type of technique. It was Mm -hmm. like they'd pull up for women specifically. So they'd pull up, you know, say a, a tuft of hair. Would that be the right word? Sure. And they would like cut in it. Right. Rather than cut it. And all of a sudden, my mind was blown because I thought, oh, I always just figured you're cutting horizontal. Mm-hmm. Like you're just cutting lines or something. But it was more like a, a vertical thing they were doing with scissors into the hair. Mm-hmm. And that also intrigued me because my hair is thick and I've always wanted to try to thin it out. And I realized what they were really kind of doing was thinning, mm-hmm. but also cutting length because you can cut length while you're going vertically right. it just doesn't look like it it's more of a subtle mm-hmm. and so that's what i do i just kind of cut into it and eventually you're cutting the length slightly right so nothing that i do when i cut my hair is drastic usually it's it's refining a haircut that i've had already but it's grown in and i don't have another hundred dollars to go get it you know trimmed up so do you have your own hair scissors because i think that also might have been a problem huge difference yeah i was yes. using i was tr- 
I don't know what I was using, manicure scissors that weren't very sharp? Yeah, not a good idea. Mm-mm. I told the girl who cuts my hair that I occasionally cut my hair. I, I said, no insult to your job. <laughs> You've done an amazing job. But I told her and I bragged because I said I bought these like $40 scissors from Ulta. And she wasn't trying to throw anything in my face. She just wanted me to know the difference. She was like, these are like $1,000, these scissors. And so my wow. mind was blown. Um, I'm like, but my hair still looks shitty. <laughs> it looks the same whether it's the $40 scissors or the $1,000. But I think the scissors do make a huge difference because until I bought the $40 scissors, I was using like $10 ones from Ulta, which didn't nearly do as good of a job as the $40 ones. So I made the investment with the 40 I thought, hey, if this doesn't work out, I'll return the scissor. They can't tell that I chopped into one piece of hair. And then it actually made a difference. So I kept the $40. Are you going to upgrade to $1,000 scissors and then go into business? You know what? That's funny too. I feel like you were there while I was taping my podcast yesterday. This wasn't on air, but to my friend afterward, I said, I really just wish that I went into doing hair and makeup. That's really all I care about. (laughs) Not that I care about, but like, I shouldn't say care about. It's what I actually enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, she said, you know, she was like, just do it. And with the makeup, I think I could start doing it because you don't really need, as far as I know of, a like a certificate really but with hair you need to be in a salon and actually have a license and stuff mm-hmm. and so that's that takes too much real work for me i'm not a fan <laughs> of actual work so right. i think maybe i would at some point adjust to or, or segue into maybe doing makeup but I, I don't you know maybe if i had like a super rich husband at some point and i could just go and hang out at a salon for three years and be an assistant and learn mm-hmm. how to cut hair maybe i'd i'd do it but Probably not. Well, off air, we need to have a a makeup discussion because of late, I've been despairing over the fact that I feel like I no longer know how to do makeup. I no longer know where the eyeshadow goes. So I've just started just doing a really simple like just one color and eyeliner. And then I was looking at a screen grab of me from years ago when I was on Fox News where they're like, they really spackle the shit out of you. But I was like, God, it looked really good. What's going on there and trying to see where the eyeshadow was? Because I just feel like I'm I'm all thumbs now and I used to be good at it. <laughs> so I need to I need to uh pick your brain about that later. You guys, I my rule for myself has been I'm going to mention Sketchfest at the top of every show, and I have mentioned it at the top of one show, and then I've done this, which has interrupted myself later to say, Oh, I forgot to mention I'm going to be at San Francisco Sketchfest. January 13th, 4 p.m., Gateway Theater, doing my podcast. My guests are Janine Garofalo and musical guest Matt Nathanson. Go to sfsketchfest.com to get tickets. Please, I will see you there. And so will Jeff. Okay. So where are you from originally? Upstate New York. Mm -hmm. Way upstate, not near the city. More Canadian style. I'm from, well, I'm from Utica, outside of Utica, New York, which is already the middle of nowhere, but a town, you know, I'm outside of that. So Mm -hmm. what was your childhood like? Uh, it was, um, family wise, I have a really awesome family and I I feel bad talking to people who had bad families because it's basically me with like a big jug of water to someone who has no water at all. And I'm just like, Oh, my family was great. Do you want some, or you don't, you can't have some of this water that I'm drinking from right now. Um, cause I would just did, um, Paul Gilmartin from the mental illness oh, yeah. happy hour just came on my show. He'll, he'll, his show will be out uh, this Thursday, but, um, he had a messed up childhood and I felt so bad the whole show. Um, in terms of family, I had uh, great parents, very um, cool parents, not strict. I didn't have a lot of pressure to be anything, which 
was difficult for me because I didn't have any self-discipline at an early age. So I kind of had to give that to myself. So if I had to critique my parents over anything, it would be that. And the fact that they're not millionaires, like, come on. Try Um, harder. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But in terms of school and stuff, I was very bullied my entire time. Um, I have one brother and one sister who are both older, Mm -hmm. six and seven years. So um, high school and uh, elementary school, I basically, what I learned was that family was good and the safe space and people that I didn't share a bloodline with were bad. That's what I learned. Really? Yes. It was very much like everything and everyone outside of this house is not okay Mm -hmm. and inside is okay and every other family is fucked up and we're normal, but we weren't. We were super fucked up. Of course. But that was kind of the... uh, the the myth that I was raised in that I wasn't quite aware of until therapy years later. Yeah, and I've gotten a little bit better as I've gotten older, but my parents weren't social. I mean, they were social within their family. My aunt, my mom's sister, my aunt Karen, always over on Friday nights. She'd come over. They'd have my you know they'd have wine and chit chat. It was like there was some socialness, but it was always within the family. Mm-hmm. My parents weren't the type to have plans with other couples or anything like that. So I viewed people who did that as annoying, and I still kind of do in a way. People who have socialized, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now I'm kind. I live in California, which is three thousand miles away from home. I don't have that safe space with my family, and it's taken me a long time. But I've started to realize that the outside world isn't always the enemy mm-hmm. and it's i've never had a big group of friends um and i still don't but i'm making more individual friends in more places for the first time in my life so that's so interesting so where do you think this idea well sorry jumping around where do you think this idea that the outside world is the enemy comes from everyone well not everyone, everyone being your enemy yes <laughs> but that's how i felt i felt because there was the main core of people, I'm from a very small town, and the main core of people, they were the people that played the sports and coached the teams. They were all really mean to me and really terrible to me. Mm-hmm. And then um, it it grew in my mind from there to blanket them to everybody. Mm-hmm. So my when I was a kid, I uh, when I was three, my I started to cross. And my then my other eye started to cross. I was basically a cross-eyed kid. And... Um, I I got my eyes fixed. I say fixed in quotations because I had a surgery, but when I take my contacts out or my glasses off, my eye crosses again. Mm-hmm. So it's like a deep, dark secret that I don't like to share. But That's so interesting that the contact being in prevents it from isn't crossing. Isn't that weird? What, I'm so you know grateful. Why? I, my, the, um, the thing that I have is called accommodative esotropia, which I should learn more about. I was actually just saying this on another show, but... What it does, I think, is your eye is struggling to see clearly, mm. and so it's overcompensating, and it, the muscle can't, I guess, do both at the same time. So if it wants to see clearly, then the muscle goes weak and the eye turns in. I see. And so um, when I have something that allows my muscle to not focus on seeing straight, I think it allows my muscle to go straight. Gotcha. Or stay strong or something. But because I had that as a kid, um, I immediately regardless of anyone bullying me or being mean to me it was like i look like a freak and i'm going to stay within the confines of my own home because mm-hmm. it's safe there did it also make it so that you had vision problems yes cuz that's what i'm thinking too is yeah. that that would potentially make you apprehensive if you can't see that well yeah well it was weird because i guess my vision because my eye was focusing so hard i was actually seeing 2020 with my eye crossing mm. but they had to damage the vision 
to allow me to wear the contacts and glad well I didn't wear contacts until I was 11 which is still pretty young but um I guess they had to damage the eye so I could see so I could see or keep my eye straight right um so I did have problems when for example um I the thing in my town everyone did synchronized swimming and that's great but you can't do it with glasses and I don't I didn't have thank god I didn't have goggles you know like prescription goggles but my eye would cross and so i'd be at synchronized swimming lessons and i couldn't see my god you do not hear of synchronized swimming being a thing in a town <laughs> no I, it's literally the first time i've ever heard of that well it's one very exciting now me. i realize i'm getting older because it's like a vintage thing <laughs> yeah. and two my town is very strange mm-hmm. we had a big pool and so everyone went to the big pool and if you didn't <laughs> do synchronized swimming at the big pool then you were nobody right but if you had a cross eye doing it you were still nobody because <laughs> who wants that right well, so what kind of bullying? So uh, it was a, it was all psychological. You know, I didn't get into any actual physical fights or anything mm-hmm. like that. But um, that's because that's how because girls that's how are girls little shits. Do it. Yeah, that's how girls do it. So um, stuff like, uh, you know, I'd get invited to a birthday party. Like they would kind of bring me in, kick me out, bring me in, kick me out. So I never had a stable, a sense of stability with outsiders either. So now I have trust issues with friends mm-hmm. that, I, that they're just not going to be my friend after a week. Um, so, you know, I would get invited to a birthday party and I'd show up and they'd say, sorry, um, we're at the, like, we, we changed our mind. You're not invited anymore. So then I would have to turn around and leave. Um, which even to this day gets me emotional because it was so horrifying and, and so humiliating. humiliating. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I do want to say, I think maybe the bullying started because one time I was invited to a birthday party and it was on Halloween, a birthday party. I assumed it was a Halloween party. That's- I showed up in a costume, only one in a costume. <laughs> But well, don't I have a birthday party on Halloween? Not in a costume. Exactly. That... And then they looked at me like I was the freak. What were you dressed as? I think a Native American. <laughs> Maybe they were just very politically correct and were upset. That yeah, I was ahead of their time. Like, yeah, very, very much. <laughs> um, and where were the parents during all this? They were just as bad and just as awful. And um, their parents were the coaches of all the teams mm. and stuff. So I, you know, I tried to play um, softball or soccer, and I was benched. And I just, I felt so unseen Mm -hmm. because I thought to myself, I'm, I'm not a great athlete. It's okay that I'm benched, but the fact that you're not even giving me an opportunity to even try because I wasn't in the, in the circle of their daughter, um, got me very bitter. And again, it's like, that's why I have so much animosity, I think, toward the outside world. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it would, you know, and then it kind of would go to the teachers as well because a lot of the, again, my, I'm, the town is very small. So a lot of the teachers were also the parents and I wasn't great in school. And so they had no reason to, you know, put, put my math test on the wall because it was a sad face, but at the <laughs> same time they wouldn't have, even if it was a good grade. Um, there it's was not like you were just a second class citizen. I was, town. I was, was your family also? No, no, it's weird. So my, my family, because my parents and I think it, my mom kind of sometimes blamed herself because they never socialized and went to the Elks Club mm-hmm. with all the other parents and went to the soccer games with all like my parents would go to the soccer game, but they wouldn't go and be a psychotic freak on the side screaming for right. their daughter. They would be regular human beings. And so my mom has always blamed herself that she wasn't active enough in the community mm-hmm. to um, elicit uh, good, good treatment to me. But she wasn't not active either. You know, it was like she would occasionally, she like, you know, would occasionally work the concession concession stand or something Mm -hmm. like that, but nothing where they were socializing and being besties. And, um, there's a big kind of, um, 
bully mentality in the town. And my mom and my, both my mom and my dad are both very, um, soft, nice people. And they Mm -hmm. don't have that toughness. They don't have a thick skin. They don't have that toughness. And even though if you saw a picture of my dad, he's very scary looking. I used, when I was younger, I used to want to introduce him and say, but he doesn't beat me because he looks so mean because he's like big Italian dude. Um, but they were both incredibly just like soft, nice people. And I didn't, they didn't have that toughness and I didn't in turn get that toughness. And then I think that combined with the fact that my eye was crossing was just, I was prime target for, mm. for bullying. And then what really set it over the edge was, um, this girl moved to our town when we were, like um 12 and she was partly familiar to me i didn't know her but her father and my uncle grew up together and were best friends and they both moved to utah together and so there was this connection but i didn't know her and so she lived in utah Wait, her father and your uncle moved to utah together basically so my family in the 70s relocated to to Utah. And I, I shouldn't say they moved together, but my family relocated um, half of the family. And then my mom my mom and her sib- her closer siblings were the older crew. So they stayed in New York. Mm-hmm. The younger siblings went with my grandparents to Utah because my grandfather was um, relocated for his company. So they moved to Salt Lake City, not Mormon. You know, mm-hmm. they never really totally fit in either because they were you know Catholic and stuff. But anyway, um, when my uncle went there, her father was from our town in New York. He ended up moving there basically knowing him. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm going to, I graduated from high school. I'm going to go out to Salt Lake City with Bill, my Uncle Bill. And so, um, so anyway, she was raised in Utah until about 12. And then her mother, the, her parents had gotten divorced and her mother moved back to our, our hometown. And she was this ad- adorable little blonde tan. She looked like she'd be from California. <laughs> um, blue eyes. She, You could tell she was going to have like a good little body on her, which I sound like a pervert <laughs> right now. But um, the girls uh, that were the bullies were pretty polar opposite of that. And you could tell they were very self-loathing. They weren't very cute. Mm-hmm. Um, neither was I at all. And uh, when she moved to our town, they had it out for her. Oh. Because she was she was this other thing that they just couldn't compete with and they did not want her to win or have any sort of easy living because she just the way she looked and she was fun and and charismatic and so um because of her and my connection i don't know if that sounded right but because we are somewhat connected through family i became friends with her immediately and then when i stood up for her and became friends with her then i the target went even more on my back Mm. because i like went against them right and so then um so then around it got severe enough to where then when I was like 17, I switched high schools or 16, I switched high schools. And uh, then I went back for my senior year to my original high school because I had had that year away or two years away to like really grow some self-esteem mm-hmm. and realize that the kids at this other school don't hate me and I'm not terrible and I'm not the worst. And so my senior year was it wasn't like lovely or wonderful, but I did go back with a sense of confidence and a little bit of like like mic drop because they were like oh <laughs> shit like she went out like she left and kind of said like f you guys and now she's mm-hmm. back and she's like you know looks okay with herself so i think they were like oh, okay we won't mess with her so they didn't right. mess with me my senior they didn't speak to me but they also didn't call me mm-hmm. nicknames and stuff like that so for how many what were the nicknames uh the main one was rat girl i looked like a rat um which that's why i got my dog who's a rat terrier <laughs> i wanted to look like my dog <laughs> um yeah, the years that this happened was um, basically my entire childhood from, I would say, about fourth grade, third or fourth grade. It started really early mm-hmm. until I switched schools. 
when wow. I was like 16. I had a period where I was bullied in seventh grade, which is apparently like a famous year that girls become horrible. The year. Yeah. yeah. Allison, gross. Uh, can you crack a window? Uh, that was actually from fourth grade. But uh, yeah, in seventh grade where suddenly I was, they would ditch me. That was like the fun oh, yeah. thing to do. So I was just solo at lunch. Um, and yeah, it was just, aw- it was just these kids who I had been, been on good terms with ever since kindergarten because I went to a small school from kindergarten through eighth which is so awful and I would go home crying every day um but really it was I think only a matter of months maybe even only a month that it happened in my mind it was such a long period of time but I think that it happened sort of in the spring or or almost summer so that would have been the end of the school year but it affected me for years oh yeah and I've mentioned this before but when I went to college and I really liked college. High school, I, I did not love. I didn't, I wasn't bullied really, but I just, I just didn't love it. But I really liked college. But anyway, at the very beginning, I had a dream that there was a survey passed around that said, is Allison cool? Yes or no? <gasps> oh, wait, you had a dream. <laughs> it was a dream. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it didn't really happen. These things would actually happen in real life to me. Right. Like those types of things. Yeah. Like they'd be like, let me sign your yearbook. Just kidding. And wouldn't sign, you know, and so I'd be feel special for a second that right. they were gonna and then, you know. So those things it, I feel I feel frustrated because by this age, I'm thirty four, I would love to let this go and never talk about it again. Mm. But I um it's defined me so much. It's shaped who like I was just texting yesterday with a friend and I actually want to tweet this. He was like, that's a great tweet. But um I said I said living well is like the best revenge, but all I have right now is Instagram because like, I just, I need to put out there that I'm doing great. I'm not doing mm-hmm. great, but you know, I, I live with this constant sense of needing vengeance or like just to show them that they didn't right, win. Right. But I don't keep it in my daily. Like I, when I do a post on, on Facebook or Instagram, I'm not, I don't have them in mind, but I do deep down, mm-hmm. you know, it's not at the front of my mind, but I'll, um, I'll go to sleep. I haven't thought about them in months and I'll have a nightmare. Like I had one recently that the main bully, she died and was haunting me and she was slamming doors. <laughs> and I'm like, you're so unoriginal, <laughs> even in death. Right. <laughs> Such a, so basic. Seriously. <laughs> so, so yeah, it just, um, I, and I've talked in therapy about it at length and I really just, it's like, I just can't really let it go mm-hmm. because I think because my personality is so defined by it in good ways. You know, I think that's where I got my sense of humor and um, I got class clown in high school because I had to deal with, you know, it right. was like that cliche story of how you deal with it. You, you Make become funny. Laugh. Yeah. It's interesting that you are comfortable talking about it because I, for the longest time, wanted to hide it and wanted to pretend that i had been cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is it's silly it's like a it's everyone like, would believe you right it, it's like a kid wanting to pretend that they're an adult or something i don't yeah that makes sense to me. like that it's makes sense. <laughs> but it's like someone can look at you and see pretty clearly um right. but i felt like if people knew that i used to be overweight and at one point i was bullied then it's like whatever they thought of me now would be replaced with that i think because i felt so much shame and so unsettled about it um that i felt like it's this black mark on me mm-hmm. um i clearly don't feel that way anymore but did you ever have that like did you ever internalize it i definitely internalized it but it's weird i never 
because I am full of shame. I am all about shame. I think everyone should have a little shame. I think the world is missing shame right mm-hmm. now. I think if there was more shame, people would be more human. Um, so I'm all about shame. But for some reason with this, I never have felt shame expressing it as an adult. Mm-hmm. I think as a kid, while I was going through it, I felt shame because I thought I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart. You know, that, that kind of stuff. I really felt like I must have done something to elicit this response. It's got to be me. And then I, I, because I had a great support system, I had cousins. And so you had asked if my family or we weren't really part of that like mm-hmm. cool circle. My cousins, they were, they're older, but they were the epitome of the cool kids in high school. And so in a sense, I felt protected because even though I wasn't in high school at the same time as they were, they would, they would say, don't worry about these idiots. And, you know, they've already graduated. They're like, you know, oh, that's nice gonna, to have that perspective. Yeah. So they would kind of give me that adult perspective and say, these kids are going to be no, but you're not going to think about them twice. You know, they're going to be living these awful, miserable lives. You're going to have a great life because you're a future ahead of you and you're not focused on just being mean. And so I had that to kind of keep me feeling normal that I wasn't the weird one and I wasn't the bad one. But that was once I got a little bit older and could understand that concept. But I did have one thing that kept me, um, kept me that gave me self-esteem and I was so grateful to this day for this but um when I was 13 because I had taken dance 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 lessons a lot when I was a kid and then when I was 13 my mom saw a cutout in a in a newspaper for um a local performing troupe and uh they were having a workshop and so I went and I was so afraid to go because I'm like I'm already getting shit from these kids I'm definitely probably gonna get Mm -hmm. shit from these kids but the it was that bad that I thought I'll take the risk and go meet other kids. And so from 13 to 18, I was part of this performing troupe called Showstopper Productions. And it was the best, best time of my life. Um, we traveled, uh, doing performances. We came to Los Angeles. We went to Europe. We performed in Disneyland, Disney World. That's it's, so cool. Yeah. Showstopper Productions. Yeah. It originally was called Rhythm Light Productions. <laughs> um, and then it, I think a couple years after I graduated, eventually ended. Um, not enough kids were, you know, interested in it. But it was an awesome group of kids. The bonds that we created um, today, we still are, you know, great mm-hmm. friends. Most of us, and um, yeah. So if it weren't for that, I think today I would be really, well, not really terrible. But if, but because of that, I had the opportunity to see. Okay, these people over here think I'm terrible, but these people over here think I'm pretty great. Mm -hmm. And I think I believe these people slightly more. Even though I don't have self-esteem, I don't think I'm like pretty great. Like it wasn't like it got me really to that point, but I trusted them. But to be accepted by a group. Yeah. Like for example, I was the most popular girl in driving school. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Talk about a mic drop. (laughs) Uh, Showstopper Productions. Did So you did it till you were 18. Yeah. Did you think about continuing with dance yeah i wanted to but i wasn't i think i was i was a pretty good performer um but in terms of my training my dance training i didn't have um like you know that strong ballet background and technique and i was very intimidated by the thought because for a little while i really wanted to go to broadway i can't sing well i can sing a little Mm -hmm. but i can't sing well enough to have a career but i for a little while i was thinking i'm a decent dancer i'm a decent singer i think maybe the two together would make me better than I really am at both. Um, but then I was way too intimidated. I was like, that's New York City. I'm 18 and I'm scared. And so I just kind of threw that out the window. But mm-hmm. I did do like, you know, dance team in college and stuff like that. So then did you, when did you start doing comedy? Um, when I was 24. And you were still in Utica? No. So at that point, um, so I graduated from college in um, 
I went to the University of Buffalo in upstate New York and or Western New York, I guess. And uh, I was super into the creative side of advertising. I don't know what it was. I think because I wanted to have a career being funny and I didn't think I could take risks. So I thought if I go into advertising, that way I can write funny um, commercials and it's still safe. Mm-hmm. I don't have to take risks and pursue stand-up comedy. I, in one million years, I would have never thought I'd pursue What were your favorite? Stand-up. Like, were you super into flow or? <laughs> <laughs> at the time, no, I still don't like flow. I have beef with flow. Um, <laughs> I, at the time, read a lot of like David Ogilvy's, he had, you know, his book uh, on basically like the invention of advertising. Mm-hmm. And um, I became, I, I got a lot of respect for it because uh, I saw these ads that were so smart and so witty. And I thought, no one I know from my hometown would write these. Like, this is something that I could get involved in. And so I guess I just, that kind of Mad Men before Mad Men, like mm-hmm. I was interested in that before the TV show ever came around. And so what I was doing in at 24 was I went to a portfolio school for advertising. I had some internships in college. Um, and then once I graduated from college, the agency said, if you really want to work somewhere big and work on big campaigns, you have to go to a portfolio school where you put together your book and you meet people in the industry. And so that's what I was in Chicago for. I went to um, Chicago Portfolio School and uh, I put together my portfolio. And while I was doing that, I would have never, ever taken a stand-up class, but they had us take a stand-up class. Um, and so, They had you take yeah, a stand-up class? Yeah. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the school wasn't, it's not accredited or anything like that. It's kind of, it's weird. It's kind of like a little scheme looking back on it. Mm-hmm. It's 12 grand for one year to get not a degree, you know, um, basically just to have... Does people, she just get a portfolio? Yeah. And then you, they introduce you to people in the industry. Mm-hmm. So you have, you know, industry meetings, you're basically paying to meet people. Um, but one of the things they had us take was stand up. Um, and I guess because, you know, you want to see ads that are funny, they wanted to see your ability to write jokes. Mm-hmm. And so um, once I took the stand up class, I felt invigorated because I had performed all, all my life. And I was back on stage. And I always liked being on stage. I thought I was very good on stage. That's where I felt most comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so then I thought, I'm not gonna at 24 go right now get this, like get this industry job that you know is very adult i'll just play around with stand-up and then i assumed i would go back in advertising but i never you know i haven't mm-hmm. so have you watched the marvelous mrs Maisel? Mm-mm. have you heard of it no oh okay it's on amazon prime and it's from the creators of gilmore girls and it's about a woman who becomes a stand-up comedian in the late 50s and i just finished watching it and it bugs the fuck out of me even though it's Everyone is saying how great it is. I can't put my finger on just one thing that bugs me. There's mm-hmm. plenty of things that bug me. But as a, a female stand-up comedian, I, I wanted to know what you thought of it. That being said, Jen Kirkman, whom I love, is a consultant on the show. And I feel like the parts I like about it, I, I want them to be hers. I right. don't know. They probably are. Uh, yeah, they probably are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay. But I feel you on shows. Like, I... I, I hate Stranger Things. My husband somewhat, uh, I don't know if he hates it, but he feels that it gets way too much praise. Oh, yes. Tell him we are kindred Simpatico, spirits. Yeah. yeah. Because I think it's so overrated, but I get on those bandwagons where I'm sure if I saw the show, the show that I wouldn't like it either, but even though it's getting great praise. You, you probably, here's why I you probably wouldn't, wouldn't like I'm it. very, I'm very it, judgmental of a lot of things. It's like aggressively stylized and it seems so pleased with itself. Mm, that's Stranger Things. 
I wrote a blog <laughs> about how much I hate Stranger Things. And one of the things I said was that it's so proud of itself. Yeah. You can see, you can't even see the directors, but you can see them mm-hmm. just smiling. And like, we are great. We did it. We tricked people <laughs> with this nostalgia. That's what Daniel says mm-hmm. about it. He's like, he's smart. I don't, that means I don't think I agree with him. I haven't seen season two. I liked season one, but he's like, it's just, they're not doing anything new. No, it's just a mishmash stole. of, that's what he says. That's how I felt about Napoleon Dynamite. Mm, Everyone who thought that that was this great movie. I'm like, you got, you don't, they're just, it's just like a, it's a ripoff kind a of nostalgia generator mm-hmm. of our childhood. Exactly. And I just think that uh, they, that they didn't do anything new enough with it to make me go, oh yeah, cool, great. Mm-hmm. It's just the same and they're stealing and then they're just preying on people's nostalgia to like the show and then people are sheep and then they'll say, the show's great and then someone else is like, oh yeah, it's great but they only say that because someone else had just said it and then it you just trickled down. should marry my husband. I should. Because then you guys can talk about this. <laughs> At least I know you guys, he he creates cute babies. I mean, maybe you're the factor involved but <laughs> I think it's, I think, I think we both had a hand in it. <laughs> um, so Mentally Chill is the podcast that you host now that initially you started with Stevie Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about that a bit? You're, so for people who don't know Stevie Ryan, um, whom I loved, did not know her that well, but, but she's been on the show, had been on the show a couple of times and she committed suicide in what month? July, the beginning of July 2nd, which I still can't believe. I know. It's still unreal. Um, and now you're hosting it solo. How has that been? It's been interesting. Um, it's it you the the podcast is about depression, so obviously there's a risk factor. But when you know Stevie and you meet her, you really didn't think there was that. It's because I my other podcast is a dating podcast, mm-hmm. so there it's like yeah okay you can if you're hosting a dating podcast and someone goes out who hosts it and gets married that makes sense, <laughs> but you'd never think that the show would have gone so literal to. Right. Someone hosting a show about depression and actually taking their own life. Um, afterward, uh, I uh, I didn't really, I really didn't know what I was going to do. All I just knew was I was very frustrated and I'm still very frustrated um, because shit just doesn't really work out for me. And uh, the hardest part is that I really um, look, I look forward to nothing for the most part in my life. I've had depression since I was 18. Um, I've, you know, I'm, I've struggled with it a lot. And so when Stevie and I started the podcast, which wasn't that long ago, we started it in March. Um, I was having a hard time as usual, but doing the show with her was the only light to my week. It was like the one moment that I actually looked forward to. Mm-hmm. And um, why do you think that was? Because she well, number one, aside from her, I was doing something that I actually felt somewhat passionate about because I have this other podcast, but I don't care about it. I really don't. And I think everyone listening to it knows that. <laughs> and I do it because I like to stay active and I like to podcast and I like to talk. Um, but I'm not passionate about the dating field, you mm-hmm. know? Um, Your co-host is though, right? She's very passionate about it. Um, so I think we balance each other out, my disinterest with her interest. So... <laughs> um, so I was very happy because I'd wanted to start a different podcast for a really long time. And um, so it was like a moment of empowerment of like, I'm actually going to do something that I want to do. I'm not just going to do this other show because I feel like I have to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that to it. Um, and then the other factor was Stevie um, because she was so awesome to be around and so 
um, so much a kindred spirit to me. She, from the, the limited amount of time I spent with her, she made you feel not alone. Totally. Totally. And in a way, it kind of bothers me that everyone else feels that way because I want it to just be me selfishly. Mm-hmm. But that's it was what, probably more you. She did a podcast with you. Yeah, a little bit more of me, a little more special. But <laughs> um, but in general, she just had um, an aura and a vibe that uh, I think people really like to be around. And I, you know, fell into it as well. And so um, I, you know, being here in, in Los Angeles and being alone and not having tons of friends and not having a significant significant other it was like she was kind of becoming a little bit of my significant other Mm -hmm. in a way um it was funny because she i had no idea but she was bisexual and i never got to make the joke on the show but i was like oh this is all rouse for you to date me (laughs) but i never got the chance to say that joke and i don't know i usually don't pre-plan jokes but i kept forgetting to say it yeah i'm like oh i want to say that and then (laughs) and then of course everything happened but um so i've uh since then um this is, I think, when I've started to learn that the outside world isn't the enemy because the amount of people that reached out and who were so awesome and lovely to me, a stranger, was uh, really um, mind-opening, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I was waiting for people to write to me and be like, I mean, I got a couple mean messages. You but, did? Yeah. What, like saying what? Um, so, so the show is on depression, but it's just basically, it's just like girl talk about depression. There's nothing politically correct about it. And, um, she had talked about how the doctor wanted to put her on lithium. And I also had that same experience where a doctor wanted to put me on lithium and I really didn't think it was right. And even though we're trying to like break down the stigma at the same time, lithium is pretty legit. Mm -hmm. And so what my, from my experience from several years ago, when the doctor wanted to put me on lithium, I, I felt very uncomfortable with it and I never ended up doing it. And so while we were taping the podcast, the doctor wanted to put her on lithium and she was like, but lithium makes you gain weight, makes you fat. And I'm like, yeah, if skinny is all we have to make us happy, we might as well stick with skinny. <laughs> and so I got some flack for saying that and dissuading right. her from going oh. on it. And this is all hindsight is 2020. I had, I, in a million years, even though the show was about depression and she did have suicide attempts, I never, and by the, by the way, I didn't know about her suicide attempts closer until mm-hmm. the end more right. toward the end um but i never even after knowing about the attempts would have never thought that she would do it again um she seemed i think be- from where i sat because she was so open about it it seemed like she was coping exactly it seemed like she had enough support and enough i hate to say logic because i know when you're feeling depressed your logic is different and it's mm-hmm. still logic too but it's but her logic seemed realistic like it didn't seem very it didn't seem hopeless to Mm -hmm, me when mm -hmm. i was with her but i you know wasn't with her when she was alone and not snapchatting and but like someone told me that she had gotten new headshots that week she did was it you that or she was yeah i don't know if she actually ended up shooting them i think she did and it might have been me that told you that but that week she's right i actually forgot about that until you just reminded me she um she had uh because we were going to tape or something and she said she couldn't at one point because she had to get her nails done and her hair done because she was getting headshots and it mm-hmm. seemed like she was looking forward to the future. Right. So this did come as a shock. Uh, be it that, you know, she had depression. It just still was very, very shocking mm-hmm. because it seemed like she was looking forward to to the future and she was writing a pilot, she said, and our podcast she wanted to eventually try to pitch as a TV show, like a talk show on depression. And so it's, it just seemed like there was a future. And uh, a good friend of mine, um, he his father says 
the, the term that he always uses is that depression is the inability to make a future for yourself. Mm. And it seemed like she had created a future for herself in her mind, which right. is part of the battle. And so I didn't expect it to go mm. the way that it did. How did you find out? Um, Gary, actually, from Corolla. He, um, it was, uh, it was awful. It was not what he did was awful, but the situation was awful. So for a while, I'm not doing it anymore, which I'm so grateful for. But um, I was driving Uber at the time, mm-hmm. and I and so I mean that was very recent. And um, uh, I was driving, and when you're driving Uber, number one, you're in such a bad mood anyway <laughs> um, that you know chit chat like I it I was in a really bad mood that day specifically and my phone is up on my dashboard I'm not really touching my phone sometimes at a red light I'll sneak and see messages or something like that or you know when I let people out of the car I'll quickly check but um I had posted something really stupid earlier in that afternoon um about I had eaten Chinese food and my fortune cookie didn't have a fortune and I was and I posted an Instagram story saying like oh of course I have no fortune in my fortune cookie and so a little while later, I was driving, but I was seeing, I saw like a reply come through saying, I'm so sorry. And my first inkling was like, that's a little extreme for, <laughs> for fortune cookies, you right. know, but that's legitimately what my, my thought was. And, uh, and I just kept driving and didn't think twice about it. And then an, another message came through. Um, and I had people in the car and it was another, I'm sorry. And I, <laughs> like such an airhead again i'm like all right with the fortune cookie it's not that big of a deal and then all of a sudden i saw a text from gary come in and he said like my sincerest apologies and i was like okay something's up obviously and i had no idea what it was um and i at first thought maybe something happened to my family but then mm-hmm. i thought why would gary know why would these people on instagram know and so i was on like the 101 or something like that driving and so i couldn't take my phone off well, I had I had like four teenagers in the car. Mm. And so I asked the girl sitting in the front seat, I said, something, I'm sorry, but something's really going wrong right now. And I need you to text this person back and ask what are they referring to? And so, of course, she was confused, but then she sent the text. And uh, all I saw, like, as I was driving, I peeked down, I saw his response. All I saw was like S-T-E. And I just knew instantly, oh. like Stevie had committed. Like, I just knew, you know, mm. even though I didn't expect it, when I saw that and those messages coming through i just went like oh my god stevie killed herself and um and the i you know i had people in the car and so i was they were like pull over it's fine i got off the freeway and then like i just kind of sat for a second they were like i'm so sorry and i didn't want to i was just trying to you know you're in shock take it all in and uh they were like you know sit here if you need to and then i was like no no i'm just gonna drive you guys so i just drove them to their place and then once they got out of the car i could kind of fully engage with it and uh start understanding it but yeah so i was driving uber so if you want uber is already depressing enough if you want to triple that depression while you're driving uber find out your really good friend committed suicide so uh yeah that was not but then but then i thought well because someone was like is it a rumor and then for a quick second i thought maybe because she's depressed Mm -hmm. and people could and then it was it was so it's crazy that it's available on the internet but the um, LA coroner's website right there, like had her name and, you know, method and all that kind of stuff, which I feel like should be private. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just instantly confirmed. And then, um, and then it was just kind of, I, her family reached out to me. Um, I didn't, I didn't know her family, so I didn't know a method to contact them and mm-hmm. they reached out to me. And so, you know, everyone just kind of putting their heads together and the timeline of everything. Um, and, uh, I think that it said that they, the coroner said July 2nd, 
um, which I think was a Saturday mm-hmm. morning, but I think it was like a Friday night. So I think it was, you know, late Friday night, but technically a Saturday. Um, and I had texted with her earlier that morning. So did a bunch of people. And I, I, I know logically to not blame myself, but, um, we were supposed to tape two episodes that day. And I, and I texted her saying, I need to cancel because rent's due tomorrow or rent's due whatever. I just paid rent or something and I, I have no money and I need to drive for the entire day. And so I canceled. Um, and I just wonder what the difference mm-hmm. would have been if I didn't cancel. Cause you know, but I think that's normal to wonder about that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you actually think? Do you actually think it would have been different though? I, I do in a way, which is, I don't want to think that because mm-hmm. then it makes me feel even worse. But I think that my opinion, and obviously this is all speculation, but I really think that Stevie got into a moment of emo- like very emotional moment. And I really don't think she was trying to kill herself. Mm-hmm. I think she was trying to hurt herself. And I think it went too far. Mm-hmm. The method of hanging um, wasn't like from a ceiling. So she was almost, and I don't want to reveal too much, but like right. I do think that knowing how she had done it to me it seemed like she wanted to hurt herself and because she did cut she was a cutter Mm -hmm. um and uh i think this was just another version of that and she passed out or something and then it was too late Mm -hmm. i really don't think i think she also as i've spoken with um people in her family and um, friends and stuff everyone seemed to kind of come to the conclusion that she might've had like a borderline personality disorder that was never diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was like cr- cries for help right. and things like that. And, um, and I think that this was that, that went too far. Cause I do think after hearing about her attempts in the past, they all seemed like cries for help. And I, we actually, we taped an episode on all of her suicide attempts and never released it. And I'm so grateful we, we never released it. One, because of the sensitivity of it, but also, two, because I was trying to make the episode not seem so heavy and mm. tr- just making dumb jokes and like trying to make her feel lighter about it mm. and stuff. And I've only been able to listen back to about five minutes of it. And uh, and and I have, I've had to shut it off. I haven't yeah. been able to get through more of that, but I'm glad we didn't put it out, uh, bec- but we didn't put it out just because the sound quality was bad, mm. like our mic cord was screwed up or something. Um, but... I kind of lost my train of thought where I was just going with that. Um, you were saying that you think she might have had undiagnosed borderline personality disorder. Oh, her right. Her cries for and help. Yes. her. So when we spoke about um, or when we taped the episode on all of her suicide attempts, they all seem, I'm not trying to discredit them, but a lot of them did seem um, like cries for help. You mm-hmm. know, like she took a bottle of Advil or like a whole bottle of Advil, but this was when she was 18 um, and she didn't know that it couldn't kill you. It would just make you really sick. Mm-hmm. And then she took a whole bottle of Vicodin um, or something once, which was a more legit, yeah. obviously. But um, then she was driving recklessly on it. And it just, you know, and she was hoping to crash, right. that kind of stuff. Oh. So those those to me seem a little bit more cry for help-ish mm-hmm. that I don't think the intent really was there to, to take her own life. Right. Although I do think she was in immense pain. Um. What do you make of what she had posted about her grandfather? Uh, so her grandfather yeah. had died sometime before, like a week, I forget the timeline. He died um, like two days before her. 
and she posted something that when when I saw it, I was like, uh oh. But then I didn't Did you see it while she was here yes. still? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I thought what does that mean? But like it, it did nothing connected enough to think yeah, anything because you're not going to, but it, it was like, I'll meet you in something. I'll see you soon. Basically. She yeah. said, and I didn't see that post until after, I think I would like see her post, but I never, you know, I didn't always really look at them, but I knew. So her grandfather had been sick for several, several weeks and um, he was in his late eighties, I think, mm-hmm. or o- old enough to where it's, normal for someone to pass away and so she was having a really hard time with it and there was a lot of preparation leading up to it and she was going to see him um in victorville where she's from and so she was going back and forth and so um i knew it was going to hurt her a lot she was really really close with him but um when when he passed away i was with her that day um we taped an episode so he passed away on wednesday and uh we she found out probably at like 10 in the morning and she was on her way home from ballet class and we were taping around like 11 or 12 or something. And I didn't know he passed away basically until I was on my way over. And um, when I got there, her ex-boyfriend was there who was, they were super close. They were still very, very, you know, much in each other's lives. So he was there to console her and comfort her. And so when I got there, he left and he said he felt comfortable leaving because she seemed to be doing better than he had expected. And I thought the same thing because so we ended up taping an episode all on the grieving process and what it's going to be like now moving forward without her grandfather. And um, she seemed to be dealing with it way better um, than I also expected. And so when I left, I gave her a hug and I, I expressed to her that I'm sorry if I was awkward on the show. I don't really, I'm, I don't know the right things to say when someone dies. So I think I talk too much on the show just to try to be comfortable and, um, she assured me that I was fine and she gave me, she gave me a hug and I said, I'm so awkward with the hugging about it and stuff. She's like, it's okay. You hugged me. It doesn't matter. And so it seemed like in a way she was consoling me when mm-hmm. I left, which self, now I feel like a dickwad about. <laughs> um, but she was, she just seemed like she was feeling very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so then when think she, she post- made a decision at that point, no, when she put, but she didn't look good. And I said to her, she looked so frail and mm-hmm. so skinny and she was skinny as it was, but she was incredibly pale. She was having, um, issues with her skin. Like she had like psoriasis issues, um, which I also have, but not to that degree. But, um, I felt really bad for her cause she just didn't look, she looked sick ish, mm-hmm. but not in an emotional way. It looked more physical. And obviously I know the thinness could come from the emotional, but, um, I just said to her, are you okay? You know, I, I said, you look really, really skinny. And, um, she's like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. She's like, I'm glad I look skinny and kind of jokey. Um, so when she posted that, I didn't read it. I don't think I looked too much at it because I felt like she was doing better. Mm-hmm. And then on Friday, um, um, when I canceled, I did ask her how she was doing and she, she said she was not doing well. And I said, my last thing that I said to her was because she they had taken her off her medication cold turkey because she was doing she was doing TMS mm-hmm. transcranial magnetic stimulation and you can still continue to take your antidepressant while you're doing this treatment. So why had they taken her off? I don't know. I think she had a really hard medicine. I don't think medication was working for her. Um, she would be on something for a couple months. And then it would give her a rash and it was actually working. And mm-hmm. then she'd have to go off that because of the rash. And there was a lot of, it was like a roller coaster with her medication. There was no consistency to it. Right. And I have no idea why they took her off the Prozac. It was Prozac that she was taking. But um, 
you know, you're never supposed to come off any medication, cold turkey, but especially a me- right. a Prozac. So I feel like her psychiatrist or whoever was making that decision um, was a full blown idiot. <laughs> um, and uh, so I said to her on Friday in that text, I said, um, just uh, get on some medication as soon as you can. And that was my last text where she didn't write back. Um, so I, so Friday, I realized she wasn't doing well, but I still hadn't really checked in on her Instagram or anything. Because not thinking twice about it. I'm not thinking something drastic is going to happen. And then, um, and then uh, after I spoke with, you know, family and friends, she was telling a lot of people on Friday she wasn't doing well. Mm-hmm. It it was not like um, it was not like she had kept it to herself. She really was like, I'm not doing good today. I know she spoke to her therapist on Friday, um, and her Friday, you know, her therapist had checked in on her, and they'd spoken on the phone for a long time. And um, so the problem I think is that none of the people that she was talking to on that Friday, none of us communicate with each other. She mm-hmm. had kind of had friends the way I do, which is everyone's in a different group. And so it's not like we could all reconvene and say, did you talk to Stevie today? Mm-hmm. I, I did. Did you? Did you? There was no group until after the whole thing happened. Right. And then we came together and realized that we were all getting the same information from her that day. But even if you had, I don't... What do you do? Right. Other than like some someone going and like being with her so she didn't have the and opportunity that's where my guilt kind of comes in because mm-hmm. we were supposed to tape two episodes and i feel like that would have filled up the day we were probably going to you know tape it like one o'clock and then we did spend the day together maybe her her mood wouldn't have sunk so low if she had someone around mm-hmm. um and i know her her ex-boyfriend um was with her wednesday he was with her thursday and he couldn't be there friday because he had um something due for work that he had to be there for. And he just said, you know, I'm not, I can't be there today, but check in with me, make, you know, so it's like, you can, you know, he did everything that he could do. He, you know, she spoke to a therapist. I don't know really what else you, you can do because mm-hmm. you, you don't know the move that someone's going to make. No, you, and you can't keep someone alive who's determined not to be alive anymore. Yeah. And it is, I'm not a therapist, but it's, it's not your responsibility yeah. to keep someone alive. Yeah. Um, but I totally understand the feeling because I, I had a, a friend who committed suicide years ago and I just felt like I know that it wasn't about me, but I wasn't enough to keep this person here. Right. Um, so it. In a way, you take it personally. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. I mean, I was I was in my early twenties, so yeah, I think that I took everything. Per- I still take many things personally, but even more so then. So, like, I couldn't fathom that this had nothing to do with me. Um, but then it's like, but even if it didn't have anything to do with me, that hurts too. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the first thoughts that went through my head was, "This makes sense because," and this is me speaking negatively to me, which I. You know, but basically I thought this makes sense because when else would someone want to start a podcast with me than when they're basically suicidal and want to get out? And this was like a last ditch attempt to do something. And so I was like, you know, you're not going to like come to me when, you know, you want to do big things and things are going great. You come to me when things are not going great. So I I did feel like it's the ultimate come to our party. No, don't come to the party. Mm -hmm. Totally, (laughs) totally. So I did feel um I, in a way, I felt hurt because I thought the, and not that I expect a podcast to mean a million things to someone doing it, but mm. I thought this wasn't enough. You know, what, 
I did feel that she was disappointed in the podcast or something like I think she was looking to it for hope mm-hmm. and it didn't get fulfill her and give her what she was wanting at you know and and so then I kind of put that on me but not in a way of like oh pity me feel better right. I just felt like shit like this clearly was not ringing her bell to an extent you know but that's not part you know I know you can't really think like that but it yeah. was the first thought that crossed my mind I totally in, terms, in a I selfish totally. way well I totally get that thought at the same time when you're dealing and you know this when you know when you're dealing with what she was dealing with it 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 robs you of the ability to be excited about anything in life totally. so no matter right no matter what she couldn't have I don't think connected to the podcast absolutely and then in, that's when I have to way. think logically and just know that yeah that's the real truth behind it I feel like we should do a PSA or something. I know, <laughs> like, the and voice, I not, the serious. Yeah. Tone. Like, well, no, I, <laughs> oh, for me, I feel, I feel like so I'm like, I don't know how to speak in a way that sounds like melancholy and perfect. Like I, I, it's hard to express it because it's like I'm sad. Anyway, you, you say what you're going to say. Sorry. No, but I'm I feel sorry. like, I feel like you're, you're sounding perfect. <clears throat> what I was going to say though is just, I, I feel like we should say like, we should give an, a phone number or something or oh, a absolutely. hotline, which yeah. I don't have off the top of my head. But what I what I would want to say is, and this is what I said, I posted something after she died. It's like, please hang on just a little while longer. If you are thinking about it, please know that what you're feeling can change even though you don't believe it can. Yeah. Well, even for me on Sunday, today's Tuesday, Sunday, I had a really, really, really bad day. And I kind of just braced. I, you know, and that's, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do anything. I'm not gonna take my own life. But it's one of those days where you feel like it's a black hole and there's no way out. Right. And then Monday came and I just felt better. Not great, but I felt better like i i just came to i am i'm weaning off of my antidepressant right now how come uh two reasons health insurance wise i lost my insurance and it's really expensive so i can't afford it and also since stevie passed i it's not really done much for me mm. but what, I, can i ask what you're on uh effects her and uh i've been on it for like five years it's been um pretty decent the whole time but i i'm right now i'm getting nothing from it and I'm still getting the side effects. So mm-hmm. I'm, my thinking is, well, I lost my insurance and I'm still getting these bad side effects. I might as well just get off of it. And then once I'm in a situation to get back on something, I will. Mm-hmm. But I think Sunday I was getting hit with, because I've been weaning off of it now for probably about three weeks and I'm only taking like five milligrams of it, which I've, I've been on 75 milligrams, which isn't even that high. Mm-hmm. But the reason I was only taking 75 milligrams was because my, um, the, I, I would get the most severe night sweats from it. Mm. And so I was on 125 and then the doctor brought me down to 75 just to try to mild out the side effects. So anyway, um, I'm down to like five milligrams and I think Sunday was the first day that I just, my brain went, mm-hmm. just totally kind of pooped out. And I knew it was going to be a shitty day and I popped a Xanax and slept the whole day to just to not deal with the day. And then I started fresh on Monday just mm-hmm. to avoid those feelings. So it does it does get better yeah. it's like that campaign i mean it's not going to be better every day once it does get better you'll still have shitty days mm-hmm. um but yeah it's the suicide prevention lifeline um people can call which i don't know the number also off the top of my head but i had noted on the podcast that i did after she died that i was glad that it's not the suicide hotline it's <laughs> right. lifeline hotline yeah. sounds like too like yeah hotline like <laughs> we're selling mattresses like you know what i mean right. i think it's good that they call it lifeline yeah so I like that too. Um, 
So, oh, I think Jeff might have the number. I'm looking up the number and also getting myself on some screwing up my Google uh, search history that people are going to think I'm in danger. Uh, 1 800 273 8255, suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Why do all the other companies have like 1 800 our business name? And like this one, you would think out of all the ones should have an so easy name yeah. because you're not going to who, when you're in that frame of mind, you're like now I have to Google. Now I have to type in the numbers. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Out yeah. of any number, make that one the easy one. Like it my, really should be something easy to, yeah. Like nine one one. I wonder what happens if you call them. I bet they would do something. They do do something. Yeah. They'll, they'll direct you over yeah. or something. But um, my friend, when I took that stand up class, when we were, when I was in the portfolio school, one of my friends who was in the school, I thought he wrote like the funniest joke and he does, he's in advertising now. He's doing really well on the creative side, but he had a super funny joke about calling 911. He was like, if, why is, why do they have the, nu- the two numbers furthest away from <laughs> each other on the keypad? And this was back when cell phones weren't totally mm-hmm. always, you know, a thing. And it's like, he was like on the ground and he's like, he can reach the payphone, but he can only reach the nine <laughs> and then he just can't reach the two, the one. And I thought that was such a great point, but I feel like it's kind of similar with this. If you want an easy, mnemonic to remember it's 1-800-APE-TALK okay. ape talk really okay ape now you now you're making making us monkeys because we're sad that's funny let's do uh this a, a, a radical change in tone just me or everyone but first i want to tell you guys i'm on patreon patreon.com slash allison rosen is where you go all sorts of rewards different reward levels you can get bonus episodes you can get access to uh an interactive live stream you can get merch in the mail all sorts of fun stuff patreon.com slash allison rosen you're on patreon as well right i am you pa- want to tell them sure patreon.com slash mentally chill and uh, I, there's tons of content that's on the page. I have um, an intern who's posting. It's so funny, I have interns. How did you get an intern? They wrote to me and were like, can I intern for you? I have two of them. Two? Isn't that weird? I'm like, you're interning for an intern. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not the smartest interns. But yeah, so I have, a, I have an intern, Jesse, um, and then Day as well. But Jesse posts tons of awesome content on the page. So if you go, uh, there's um, always callbacks to stuff that we've talked about on the show that he he posts but also just cool resources and a community board that people can share does he like come hang out with you how does this oh, work they don't live in they don't live here oh my god you have remote interns mm-hmm. so jesse's in utah and day is in san fran so day comes down every now and then um and we'll work together once he's when, when he's here mm-hmm. but yeah um just all computer and texting and stuff which is awesome wow yeah and then the, you, do you have to write it? Like, are they getting credit for this? No, I don't know. I think, oh, they're, oh, I see. It's just like a real informal intern. Kind to- of thing. Totally. Like they kind of, I know with Day, he's interested in um, this world of podcasting and, and uh, I don't know, comedy stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then Jesse, uh, he, he does technical writing. Um, and so he was writing, he's been writing some technical like Patreon reads for me and stuff. I don't know. So I just... I warned them. I'm like, I am a nobody. You know that, right? Like, just <laughs> so we're clear going forward, um, I can't pay you and I can't help you. So <laughs> they still on board. So anyway, but yeah, there's a lot of content on the Patreon page and then cool like perks is like you do as well mm-hmm. if, if someone wants to donate. Awesome. Let's do Just Me or Everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me? Okay, this is where people write in with things they think or do, and they wonder, is it just me, or is it everyone, and we weigh in. 
Still here, I guess, says, <laughs> that's a positive, <laughs> positive. still here, I guess, uh, I now spend more time on social media looking at animals than I do being social. I spend more time just going down weird rabbit holes than I do being social. Yeah, and often those rabbit holes can lead to animals. <laughs> yes. Basically. Yes. But it can lead other places as well. Right. I look at, I just look at dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. Just I was the other day on dummies doing things on Instagram and I was disappointed because they only had like 40 posts or something. I'm like I need more dummies. There is a um there's a social media account. I think it's Instagram. It's called kids getting hurt. Kids getting hurt. Oh or my kids god! Hurting. Thank you. Oh my god. That is my response. <laughs> a comedian who I like, Jenny Johnson. Um, I like her. She posts stuff from them a lot, and I'm like, oh, what kind of monsters are yeah. behind this? And it's like it's never kids getting horribly hurt. <laughs> it's usually like they're just they just trip or something or like little kids, as in like three to seven year olds. I think or like so. I didn't spend any time on it. Like I couldn't do it. I couldn't do yeah. it. But it's. It's, but it's, I don't know. It's, they just look like little drunks falling over and stuff. But at the same time, I don't think it's funny. It like freaks yeah. me out. Well, the movie It, the opening scene, the it was too aggressive to a little child that I don't really get, I don't get offended. I don't really, but this was so, the kid, if you saw It, he, he, his boat goes into the sewer and he's like, what, five or four or six i'm great with age obviously <laughs> or 48 i don't know but the the clown like bites his arm mm. off and leaves him in the street bloody and it's like i can see i can watch that and enjoy it if it's an adult right you know with their losing their arm and right but he's he's a sick like a little kid it was too messed up mm. i was like wow this is just like stepping creepily too much to like messing with little kids that don't they're too innocent yes you mess with some, it's like messing with animals yes you know it's right like, and they're, they're trusting s- yeah they're it's trusting the- and innocent it's too creepy when you cross that boundary it's like Ugh, it's yeah. weird i was holding elliot last night and i was thinking if anyone ever hurts him i will kill them yes and i was thinking like what what would i do if he were bullied in school and hopefully bully there is i feel like bullying it's changed it's i feel like it's on its way out i I really hope so i feel like there's less tolerance for it um did you see that video of that kid yes why why do they bully yeah keaton jones yeah but then yeah so i watched the video i hadn't I, i it took me a while to watch it but then i watched it and i was like like I teared up. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. But then didn't some news come out that like his parents were profiting? There was a GoFund. They oh, were profiting off of probably. it. And that they have photos with Confederate flags. And yeah. All sorts well, of stuff. But I don't know. So then I, and then I got the sense that maybe it was not a hoax, but like contrived. I, I, I don't get, know. I get skeptical. The minute I saw that I did, I teared up too. But I, the way the mom, it's like when you videotape your kid. Yeah. The way she's interviewing him. Yeah. The, the, motive behind it starts to kind of confuse me right or make me question right so it that would still is ups- me. really upsetting though yeah. uh okay vanessa e says i always feel like a jackass when i say bye on a voicemail i oh i end all voicemails with okay bye yeah i don't <laughs> like know how I else end the you podcast end similarly <laughs> <laughs> but you um, can't you can't do like the movie just hang up you know how they right. just in the movies just hang up yeah you can't just do that no you can't so i think the bye's okay uh, but least, also, why is she leaving voicemails? No one leaves voicemails. Right. That's a bigger question. Occasionally, I will leave a voicemail. Mm. Um, not regularly. Wait, are you one of those people? Formal. Are you yeah. one of those people 
who's like, they'll see that I called and they'll know to call me back. Because if I see that a missed call, I don't know to call that person back. Uh, yeah, I am. But it's not if it's a more of a prof- like a professional situation or something or setting. I'm all for the voicemail. Mm-hmm. So more formal. But like if I call my mom. I'm not gonna be like, hi, mom, I called you. Here I am. But she does that to me. And she'll call and it's your mom. I know I can see mom. You called. Um, and I've tried to, t- I, it's embarrassing, but I'm gonna like refer to a tweet, but I wrote to her, um, or I, I wrote a tweet and I said, I've given my mom this information that you don't leave voicemails anymore, but I must have left that to her in a voicemail <laughs> because she hasn't gotten the information. Cause I, if she does leave me a voicemail, I never ever listen. Right. But I'll save them randomly. Like I do too. Something yes. Ever yes. I totally mm-hmm. do that too. Yep. It's like a little keepsake and mm-hmm. I can listen back on it. Yeah. Which I don't even want to think about, but I do do that. I totally do mm-hmm. that. Um, so keep leaving voicemails just in case something happens to you. <laughs> right. People can enjoy your voice. Lisa Lowry says, a Christmas just mirror everyone. A Californian Flor- Floridian or any sort of tropical surfing Santa is depressing. I agree. I don't know. I think I, I have nostalgia agree. for that because when I was a kid, actually, they're probably still on my parents' tree. There were these little, I think my parents had gotten them in Hawaii they there were these like tropical Christmas ornaments they had. So it was like Rudolph on the beach. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I have nostalgia for that kind of stuff. But I get what you're saying about the like California snowman, which is the snow globe that just has, you know, a carrot nose and the glasses and hat and stuff. Yeah, it makes me depressed because I'm from where snow is always for Christmas. But I do love Melakaleki Maka, mm. which is like a tropical. So if I like... What that I song you mean? Love that yeah. song. Is the thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in that sense, not depressing, but generally, yes, I would think it's depressing. Danielle Lynn says, just learned that you can peel a banana from the bottom and it blew my mind. I, that's one of the rabbit holes I've gone down and found yeah. out online that the banana peeling the other way. Are you, is it Daniel, aforementioned Stranger Things critiquer. <laughs> Love him. Also was like, you know, it's the way you're supposed to peel a banana is from the bottom. What? I, I take umbrage with that because okay. his reasoning is it's the right way to do it because monkeys do yes, it. Yes. that. Yep. What the fuck do monkeys know? Exactly. That's <laughs> right. such a great monkeys, point. Monkeys also, if they poop and Fling it tastes it. good, no, oh. they will turn around and eat it again. <laughs> this is a known What's weird about that? Yeah. <laughs> Because monkeys do it. I would say that's an argument that it's the wrong way to do it. I, I love, would too. I love your argument. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, they're not like inventing airplanes. Yeah, they don't know more about bananas than we do. And I think we've gotten along just fine peeling bananas the way we have. I don't think the I don't think right now we'd be like if we peeled bananas the other way, we wouldn't be worried about Roy more. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Life would still be going the same. What would no matter what way you peel the banana? I mean, actually. Anyway, I could get kind of gross. Oh, never mind. I'm not gonna make a joke. It was a banana joke, Roy. Oh, I'm not gonna. Here's phallic joke. Dumb. Humans are dangerously close to extinction, so maybe if we change how we peel bananas, that will turn things around. Save, for, save yeah. us for a couple hundred <laughs> more years. Um, I rarely eat or peel bananas, and yet I'm going to weigh in. If you peel it from the bottom, I think it peels easier, but you're going to get banana smush on mm-hmm. your hands. If you peel it from the top, less chance of banana on your hands, but occasionally you will have that happen where it like. Just sort of opens a seam in the peel. Mm -hmm. And then what? That's like opening a milk carton wrong. Yep. Then it just squeezes out. That's right. I think this is the human alpha dog way to do it. It's a little bit more work. But if you take a knife 
and oh. just make a little slice on the top and then peel it back. It peels back perfectly. Mm. Is that and, how you do it? Yes. And no. <laughs> if if the banana looks like it's getting overly ripe, I might do that so that it doesn't split. Right. I, I am a fan of um, eating apples with the like peeling with a knife at the same time and eating off the knife because I hate biting into an apple. It hurts my gums. I don't mm. think I have great healthy gums. So I think that might be a sign. But I am for sophisticated ways of eating fruit in certain scenarios. Yeah. And it also establishes you as a top predator because you're using tools. <laughs> exactly. That's the most important part. Exactly. <laughs> Ashley Bloodworth says, I miss the days when we had liner notes to determine lyrics. I used to always love looking at lyrics and liner notes, but Are they liner still notes the, the the little booklet of okay, the CD. Okay. But they still must make that right. It's just that now we get our music online. I think they still must provide those. Yeah, I mean you can Google right. any song and have any lyric. But I did enjoy the book also. It was nice having it was a little present inside, and you could look through it. Yeah. Yeah. Occasionally, it was also a, a big fold-out poster, which oh, I disliked yes. actually, though, because the creases. Yes, because it's like trying to fold back a map. Mm-hmm. Like, well, this I can squish this in there, but this wasn't how it was originally folded. Those are the real geniuses, the people who fold the maps the first time. Yes, I, that's what I'm terrible at. Yeah. Not specifically map folding, but like spatial relations and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Can I say the trick to map folding? Please. Is this, is this mansplaining? Is it? <laughs> I'm going to give you permission. Thank you. Permission to mansplain. What you do with almost all maps is you do the accordion the whole way wah, 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 mm-hmm. until it's a long, thin piece and then fold the ends in on ah. itself. So you always do the accordion first. All right. Next time I don't need a map because I never do, I'll use that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the most useful piece of advice ever. <laughs> Next, I'll tell you how to send a telegram. <laughs> uh, Pamela Jill Gross says... Drives me nuts when people say whenever instead of when. I'm going to need an example. I'll get there whenever. Or I'll get there when, well, that's kind of an assholey thing. Like, I'll get there whenever I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm darn ready to get there. It'd be like... Whenever I'll, it happens versus when it happens. I'll be there after, whenever, well... After I, whenever I stop to get gas, or whenever I eat lunch, then like I'll, versus when I, uh, when I eat lunch, whenever still not I a great lunch. example. Like, let's think of examples where the where when is correct. So, when is it arriving? Whenever is it arriving? No one would say that, right? Um, I could see why she'd be annoyed if they did say yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> she gets annoyed when they say that. She gets annoyed whenever they say that. Well, oh, the both both, uh, both there you work. Go. Yeah, but she must be upset with the incorrect use of whenever. I just think she's not having enough sex. <laughs> I think she needs to get laid. No, that's stuff that I'd get upset about too. Normally, what I, about I'll I'll stop by whenever I get off work. Ah, that's oh. a good example. I'll stop by when I get off work. I feel like they're both acceptable though. They just mean slightly different things. Because whenever like, means you don't know when you're going to get off right, work, right? And you might not actually know right. if you're using that when you do know. Then it can maybe be annoying. Right. If you know you're going to get off at five and you're saying whenever. Right. I think the whenever is communicating that you're not sure what that right. time will be. Mm-hmm. And she might be assuming that you when do you know. say when, that also means that. But I think when, you know, whenever means, I have no idea. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't like when people use myself when they could just say me. Like, example. It was myself. <gasps> oh, that's kind of like third person guy mm-hmm. talking in third person. Or no, I guess... I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, um, myself, Daniel, and Elliot went to something. People say that sometimes. And it's like, that's 
what? Right. And say it how it would normally be said? Uh, Elliot, Daniel, and I went somewhere. Yeah. He gave it to myself. They say that sometimes. (laughs) Who is this person? They're the worst. It's the person who's trying to sound more intelligent. Yeah. Uh, Okay. James Leroy Wilson says, I hate my favorite things becoming a Christmas song. Raindrops on roses and bee stings are not season appropriate. Is it a Christmas song? Because I would, I, I'm with you on that one. Oh, I, I didn't guess. think it was a Christmas song. Yeah, maybe, but I maybe it's get, getting thrown in there. It, it it could be. I've done that with like Home Alone Home Alone songs mm-hmm. that are just regular songs on the soundtrack. To me, now they are Christmas songs. Like, um, I can't. I don't know. Like a. I don't know. But yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> it's all context. It's mm-hmm. like my best friend growing up was Mormon. We used to watch Small Wonder at her house. I thought Small Wonder was a Mormon show. Mm. Wasn't just a, just a secular show about a robot. Oh, this reminds me of something that I forgot to tell you on the Monday show. Okay. When I was in Wilmington, North Carolina this weekend, I met your hero. Who is it? It's a fellow named Uriah that listens to podcasts. And now that he's been name checked, I'll try to get him to listen to this podcast. He graduated at the top of his class and he gave the valedictorian speech and he said a couple things about people that he went to college with and then wrapped the speech up by saying, and finally, I'd just like to say, in life, you take the good, <laughs> you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life and did the entire lyrics of the facts I of life. I love piece. this. Isn't he a great guy? Yes. That's from Facts of Life? Yeah, it's the Facts, it's the of, facts life of Life theme song. What kind of guy was he, like succeeding at life? No, he was like a young, good guy. Like, uh, yeah, he seemed like a smart, fun guy. Uh, love that. Yep. Leela Rolling Stone, and this is the last one, says, I have some Just Me or Everyone's that are so gross, weird, disturbing that I might have to create a new Twitter account to send them. I think that people have done this because there are Just Me or Everyone titled accounts, like JMOs for A-Rose. And I have to assume that this person... Yes, I think people do that. So go for it. Do it. And also, the just mirror everyone. We like weird, gross, disturbing ones. That's the point of it. To be like, look, we're all weird and gross and disturbing. I couldn't agree more. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Is there anything that you want to talk about that we did not get to? Uh, more raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. <laughs> That's what I came here for. No, I think, I think you're a great interviewer. So. Oh, thank you yeah. very much. Tell them um, where they can find you and plug anything you'd like to plug. Well, you can find me on Twitter. I think I have very underappreciated tweets. I think they're very funny and I only get a few faves. Well, like 20, but follow me on Twitter at Kristen Carney, K-R-I-S-T-E-N. reading your uh, tweets and they are funny. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I just need someone to retweet them that has more than two followers. Like anyone who t- retweets my tweets has two followers. And I'm like, thank you, but no, thank you. Um, so yeah, it's at Kristen Carney. And then um, just if you uh, have mental health issues or just want to listen to a podcast that's semi-entertaining, you can listen to Mentally Chill and it's C-H parenthesis, I-L-L parenthesis. So mentally chill, like, you know, <laughs> it's so cheesy. But yeah, so that's where you can find me. Jeff, where do we find you? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. And if you like what you're hearing, iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go to subscribe, leave us nice reviews, tell all your friends, click five stars. It's my favorite number. Um, 
And uh, follow my, me on Instagram at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. Thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time.